Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Around the World in 80 Drinks. This is a podcast that is celebrating drinking all around the planet. Uh, with me, Tom Sandham, and fellow thinking drinker Ben McFarland, and we're going to whisk you off to lovely places with lovely liquids. Oh, that sounds a bit weird. Uh, but lots of lovely drinks as we go. Um, and uh, how are you doing, Ben? I should say hello. How are you doing? Yeah, it was a long way, long intro without mentioning me. Uh, I'm very well, thanks, mate. I'm good. I went to a pub this weekend because pubs were open. Yes. And it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it reminded me of two things, how wonderful pubs can be. And the second is don't take your kids to the pub for a lunch because it makes the pub a horrible place to be. As ever, kids ruined it all. Um, but it was nice having a beer um, poured fresh. In a, in, it's not like we haven't been drinking during lockdown, but still, the, just the... the, the the, the the experience of having a pint in front of you in a pub garden was was a nice one it was i did enjoy myself uh i sat outside i didn't go into the pub but we are still in the middle of this thing so i was a bit more cautious than You're i might normally be um but but i did i was delighted to be able to support the local uh and get myself a pint um i didn't go with other people i've certainly fallen into a pattern of drinking alone and I, I decided I quite like it. I was a bit concerned about the number of other general public people who are around me. Um, they can back off, but I enjoyed it. And I had a pint of lager while I was in there. I uh, didn't go for any crazy bitters because uh, I thought, well, <laughs> this place has been closed for a while. Let's, uh, let's start with something mainstream. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the lager. And obviously lager is a style of beer that's been much maligned, but we're going to put that right this week, aren't we, Ben? Because where are we going? We are going to the Czech Republic, the land of lager, historically one of the greatest brewing nations. It's now called Czechia. That's what all the cool kids are calling Czech Republic these days. It's a short form name. But when we were growing up, Tom, it was old school, Czechoslovakia. Mm. And when we were growing up, Czechoslovakia were number two in the beer drinking league table. They were the second biggest beer drinkers in the world. Who were the first? Uh, the British? Nope. Nearby? The Irish. Correct. Well done. You get some points. Uh, the, che- the Czechoslovakia was number two, but then sl- when Slovakia split from Czechoslovakia and the Czech- Czechoslovakia became Czech Republic, they took number one spot. 191 litres uh, of beer a year are drunk by the average Czech. That's uh, just over 500 millilitres a day every single day so nearly a pint which is 568 milliliters a day and that per capita per capita figure um doesn't include well no, no it does include children and those who don't drink so okay. so <laughs> it does I, include children it does it you mean, includes you mean, children you, so you which means stat. yeah gotcha <laughs> which, which means that you're actually drinking even more unless of course the children are drinking a pint of beer a day well case uh there's a lot there. There's yeah. more to worry about. But um, <laughs> in short, what I'm trying to say is they love their beer and there's a good reason why because there are lots of lovely natural resources and ingredients uh, at their disposal. You've got um, the Zars Hop, S-A-A-Z Hop. If you speak to any lager brewer, you'll know that the Zars Hop is the very sought-after hop. There's lots of sort of different varieties of it, but essentially it's considered the Rolls-Royce or brewing hops when it comes to lager you've got this beautiful moist moravian malt 
that uh, gives lots of the beers its lovely biscuity, biscuity bite. And then, of course, you've got the water, which is very, very soft. And soft water is perfect for brewing lager-style beers. Hard water is more suited to ale drinking. And not only that, historically, the Czech Republic have given us some very, very important beer styles. Pilsner comes from Pilsen, the town of Pilsen in Czech Republic. Historically, that's where Pilsner comes from. Pilsner can now be brewed all over the world. But it was first brewed in Pilsen, um, and Pilsner Aquil, meaning the original Pilsner, is, is, was the first ever uh, Pilsner. And we'll be talking about that. They also gave us Budweiser comes from the town of Bucevice. Uh, apologies for my Czech accent. It won't be getting any better over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, so Budweiser came, from, the original Budweiser came from uh, the Czech Republic. And uh, there are plenty of other beautiful beers that, that are made there. Um, and what's wonderful about it and what's interesting is the fact that during communist rule, it was a kind of... Um, a double-edged sword because there was obviously the Velvet Revolution in 1989 um, when the Czech Republic opened up to foreign investment. But a lot of the breweries, because there had been no investment over that over whilst under communist rule, it meant that okay that they were a bit run down and they hadn't had any money spent on them. But it meant that the the, the, the these lovely old brewing techniques and approaching approaches to brewery had been sort of set in stone that whole time uh and had been preserved um which and which means that they were still using lots of open open fermenting vessels and uh triple decoction and things all the all these techniques that the lager brewers like to use they a lot of the breweries were doing that but obviously they uh the, the equipment was all a little bit shoddy but then, oh, as you can imagine as well, 1989, all these foreign investors came in, started kicking the tires of uh, all these different breweries. And a lot of them got bought up. Um, Star Prime got bought up. Um, uh, there was a few smaller ones that got bought up as well. Um, and you can imagine Anheuser-Busch, who owned Budweiser, they came in and wanted to buy Budvar for obvious reasons. Um, and they offered, I think they offered one point five million dollars for Budweiser Budweiser and in 19, even in 1989 that's taking a fucking piss isn't it? Bit cheeky bit cheeky I, I mean we'll get on to the, the Budweiser story I'm sure but uh, but yeah I mean I, what I like about the, the Czech is the government there just sort of said piss off um, no you can't have it and left them having to call themselves Bud yeah. <laughs> throughout Europe instead of the full name, which is good. I, I you've got to give them a. It, it might have seemed like a lot of money to them at the time. You just don't know, do you, Ben? But it's the Americans certainly knew it was a cheeky offer, um, so I'm glad they said no. And that that's why I like the proper yes. Budweiser. No, they do. It's still state owned. I mean, that would have been a lot of money because I went to the Czech Republic when I was a student. I got a coach. I was studying in Dijon in France and. Uh, we got we got word that Prague was the place to be as a beer drinking student because it was so ridiculously cheap. So we we got on this uh, trip. We got a coach from Dijon to Prague. It's a long way, it turns out. And when we got there, they put us up in this what was they described as a hotel, but it's actually an old factory. 
and the walls of your rooms didn't reach the ceiling. So you could just stand on your bed and peer over into the next room. Not that you would, of course. Well, no, I, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> was it your no. mate Tom next to Yeah, door? yeah, yeah. Well, it was, yeah, okay. It was, it was suitably <laughs> grim. But then we went out uh, and had some amazing, and it was like 10p a pint. It was that classic mm. Eastern European. Isn't this amazing? Um, so anyway, 1.5 million would have been quite a lot of money. But they turned it down. Uh, there were protests on the streets. The trade unions threatened to barricade the brewery. Um, and ever since, Budweiser Budvar um, has been in a legal battle with the American Budweiser because they both claim to be to have the rightful claim to the Budweiser name. Um, now, but the the town of Chesky Budjevice, which is somewhere we've been to, it is. Um, I'm going to open some Budweiser. Yeah, they've, Budvar. Got a, they've got a lovely new can. As well. no, it's beautiful it's branding. That's the other thing to say about the Czechs oh. is they've really retained some of their really classic sort of 19th century branding and logos. So it's all looks, it all looks proper. Um, and it is, it's a lovely, lovely tasting beer. Ben and I managed to go out there as part of a prize winning oh, yes. an award for, our, for our, our book, Good Beer Guide West Coast USA. The award itself at the Beer Writers Guild was backed by um, by Budweiser so that as part of the prize they got to take us out there and we went on a trip to the to the brewery and to uh, Chesky Budovica the town itself which I have I was not not at all on my radar I think if anyone's going to the country they all go to Prague don't they but uh, mm. it's worth the extra trip out there to see this this town because it's uh, it, it runs along a beautiful river and it's kind of in a bit of a valley banked by uh, hills all around it it's absolutely beautiful it's yeah. a really lovely trip no it's wonderful and in the 15th century it was home to 44 breweries um and the royal court brewery of bohemia its beers were known as budweiser's this is back in the 15th century and due to the royal connection they were known as the beer of kings uh, which but the american budweiser has even switched around and calls itself the king of beer so um, they, they, the Americans nicked quite a lot. But obviously the, Czech, the, the, the Budweiser from the Czech Republic neglected to, to trademark the name. And in 1845, the Americans were able to choose Budweiser as the name of their new slightly tasteless yellow lager. 20 years later, the, the Budjevice Brewery was founded and then began brewing Budvar and exporting it under the name Budweiser Budvar. Now, this really pissed off those people in America. And more than 100 years later, nearly, and I think nearly 800 separate lawsuits, the two breweries are still arguing over the Budweiser brand name. Um, and Anheuser-Busch claim that their beer is, that they, they, they have the, the right to the name because it, it was, they preceded Budvar's beer by about two, two decades. Um, but the Czechs say, well, they cite the geographical significance and the fact that the Budweiser beer had been exported by another Czech brewery before that. Anyway, I mean, we're not going to get into the legal, the legal wranglings of it, but most of the, in most countries, why not Ben? No, no, no. Sure it, it's, it's, well, most, in most countries, uh, the Czech Budweiser wins. Budweiser yeah. wins every, every single yeah. time. Um, also we're not lawyers and we don't really, want to get involved in it too much and no. i think i think most listeners will know which side of the uh, taste debate we're on uh, well just... i think but but also i think budvar have done 
they've done a very good job of being the the David to the Goliath and really um, making everyone realise that they are the original and better tasting Budweiser mm. or Budweiser. Um, so, I mean, it's fermented. They do, they do. I mean, clever clog lawyers can argue about the name, but I don't think there's a court in the land that would say that the Budweiser Budweiser was inferior to the American version because they use all the old um, classic classic techniques. Uh, the beer is fermented in open vessels and cold conditions for three months. There's this beautiful biscuity malt that's set off against uh, that sort of jatets, czars, hops, and it's beautifully balanced. Um, and it is uh, you can get it you can get it all over all, all over the Czech Republic. It is most most of the time it's exported, and Britain is one of the big the big markets for it. So that is that is Budweiser Budvar. I think is one of my favourite favourite um, lagers out that you can get readily yeah. available. They also um, have a fresher a sort of a tank version which they have been taking around pubs around the UK as well. Um, and it's still owned by the Czech Republic. So the way I see it, the more we drink of it, uh, the better the schools become, the hospitals. Um, You're helping people helping by drinking people. beer. Yeah. I mean, there's no better reason to drink it other than yeah. the fact that it tastes really nice. And I really recommend a trip over there because you do the brewery tour and then you go into into the town. It's very, very pretty. Loads of lovely We ate in some lovely restaurants proper authentic grub that was very very tasty and you can take knuckle. a yeah pork knuckle bit of that um mm. uh, you can go out there's a 10 mile drive is a place called a holos of itcher don't know but if you type in unesco check town oh yeah <laughs> yeah well, that was beautiful it. i forgot yeah that. it's only about 10 miles out but it is a unesco world heritage site because they've got these old folks sort of baroque buildings out there all in all it's just a region that I did not know about. Was it not Chesky, Chesky Krumlov? Uh, Chesky Krumlov is, is part of this, is the region, I believe, but the town, the historic village is, is a place, apparently during the war, they, they evacuated this place and, um, and as a result, it just, it was untouched. So it's got these, these particular, this particular architecture, which is like fairy tale stuff. A bit like um, the, uh, bit like the French in Paris. That was, yeah, yeah, it's just French. Oh, that's why France, the buildings really, look so lovely. <laughs> I love the French, but I love yeah. the French. Uh, anyway, so so it's just it's just great. It's a great flag bearer for the region and for for Czech beer. So uh, so so drink it. Basically. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> um, the other big beer you can get over there, um, and one you can get here, obviously Pilsner Urquell. A little bit mm -hmm. about them. Uh, Pilsner Urquell means the original Pilsner. Brewed in Pilsen back in 1842. Um, now, back then, there was a big rivalry between Bohemia and Bavaria as to who was making the best lager beers in the world. Um, and the Bavarians were at this in the 1830s, early 1840s, were whipping the uh, Bohemians' backsides and doing and and making lots of lovely lager beers. So uh, the locals in uh, uh, locals in Pilsen poured all the local beer down the drain and said, right, we're going to start again. And they built a brewery um, and it was a really shit hot brewery with all the latest uh, brewing techniques and uh, equipment. 
um, and they got they got they they signed a they basically signed a uh, a brewer from Bavaria called Joseph called Joseph Grohl, who was notoriously grumpy but knew how to make great beer. Um, um, and they also bought he bought with him a Bavarian strain of yeast. Hello. Let me tell oh, you about yeast. the yeast. Oh, um, it's for a yeast injection. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, Here we so go. There, there's a Bavarian brewer who knew, knew what he was doing. There's a Bavarian strain of yeast which uh, worked very well. Um, they had all these state-of-the-art brewery with best refrigeration, malting, and steam-powered innovations because uh, they'd gone to Bavaria and mixed all the good ideas. But they also had this wonderful, these wonderful ingredients around them. So lovely Zars hops, moist Moravian malted barley, pills and water. And beneath the brewery, they lays a, they laid down a sort of labyrinthian underground network of like really seriously chilly, cold rooms and tunnels where the beer could mature for more than a month. And then the final ingredients, as ever, Tom, when it comes to making lager, is patience because. Oh. Pay, what the the brewing process for beer for for lager beer is quite stressful. Um, the yeast is quite uh, voracious. Uh, there's fermenting. Uh, it's it, it needs to chill out after that, and so and get rid of all of its rough edges. And when you taste a crap industrial lager, they really speed up that process. So it's not really lagered. I mean, I, I matured for very long. Whereas a pilsner quail, they you still go down beneath the brewery. It's freezing, even if it's we've gone in the height of summer. I remember it was boiling up uh, upstairs. <laughs> it was boiling out outside in on, in on the, the real world. But when you went down into the cellars, as you can imagine, it was cold. But it was freezing. Like apparently, mm. the difference can difference in uh, temperature can be up to twenty degrees. So um, they they mature the beer for thirty seven days. Um, and when the first barrels of this pilsner quail were tapped in eighteen forty two. Uh, this was the world's first clear golden lager. You can imagine, uh, and, and it coincided with the invention of newfangled glassware. Uh, so you can imagine this golden lager cascading into this beautiful, beautiful new glassware. Uh, for people who've been drinking, hitherto been drinking beer out of, slightly darker beer out of, out of mugs, uh, this would have been quite an epiphany. Um, and uh, it just took off completely it became you know it was a everyone wanted to drink it it spread right throughout europe and went over to america but they stupidly just as the guys in with budweiser no they didn't patent or trademark the trademark the name so now pilsner can be made that you can use that name all over the uh all over the world they try to they try they try to um trademark it in 1899 which is nearly you know nearly 50 years after uh, over fifty years after they first brewed it, but by that point the uh, the horse had bolted and the stable door was flapping in the wind. So they um, it's a shame. I mean, there's an innocence about it, isn't there? But the modern world does not it's not sympathetic towards people who don't uh, trademark their yeah. their ideas. Really, it's, just, it's sad. But well, it wasn't the dragons then because that's where I've learned all my mm. business. Uh, acumen is watching dragon but you always paid and that's the first thing you've got to get even if it's a yeah. shit idea you, yeah you've got to trade dog nappies dog nappies dog nappies dog shower nappies. curtains shower curtains shower blinds shower blinds sorry shower curtains have been done shower blinds um, yeah um, no I was really convinced by my dog nappies idea and uh, I remember watching Dragon's Den 
not not too long ago mm. and this guy had launched this idea of pencils for children so short pencils and um and um uh, he, he, the guy said to him that's it seems like a good idea that kids will need short pencils but actually uh wh- why haven't they done it before it's a bit like dog nappies sounds like a good idea but it's actually really bad and that's when i realized my dog nappies idea yeah but tom don't be so disheartened because they the, didn't know the that because your dog nappy involved actually inserting a part of the nappy into the anus of the dog didn't it yeah. remember yeah it was like a it was like, like a, a little like the, the balloon thing yeah more like when you take the bags out of the the, the the polythene bags for your vegetables out of the the container in the supermarket you know and you take those those bags out and then yeah. you you rip them off that was that was the idea what well, so so the bag let me get this straight so let me yeah. get it straight Tom. The, there's a there's lots of different the, the, there's lots of bags where where are the bags kept in the bottom of the dog yes so uh, well, well, it would require some surgery. So you'd you'd you'd, you'd make an insert in the the sort of abdomen area of the dog mm-hmm. where you could. But but it would be a bit like um, you know uh, if you're you're deaf, you can get those things, the implants into your head. Mm-hmm. It'd be a bit like that, and then you okay. could have like refill bags. And so you wouldn't have to would perform come... surgery every time the bags run out. No, and they'd shit directly into the bag, so it would come out, and then you just. You just rip it off, like twist and tie. Sort of twist and tie. A, yeah, a serrated edge around the bum hole area, and then you take it off, and then you tie a knot in it, and um, you Hang just don't on have the tree. to get your hands. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen someone locally is putting it on the on the rear bumper of their car, which I find odd. Um, I mean, well, apparently the tree thing is. Because people go for a walk, and quite often yeah. they go for a circular walk, so they hang yeah. it on a tree. Yeah. And then know that they're coming or they'll come back. So they don't have to carry it around, but they'll pick it up. Yeah. It's logical. Back. I didn't think that that was a gift for the fairies or anything. I understood why it was there. But the problem is they keep forgetting to, to yeah. collect it on the way back. So what we have is instead of, you remember when we were in America and we saw the tree with all the shoes on it? Yeah. Um, it, it, in instead, Oregon, what you yeah. have is, is, is a tree with loads of dog shit hanging on it, which yeah. is quite unpleasant, really. Um, yeah, it's not say. an art installation. It's just antisocial it looks dog shit which is what it, it is. does i mean I, I, we haven't got time to go into shower blinds but believe me that is a good idea it is well it's better, probably best we don't go into it because so, uh, yeah, we'll be, someone will steal it someone will take it anyway uh, we should talk about some of the other the yes. other great beers because so, when yes. ben, ben and i because, went over um, we, we traveled all over didn't we ben and we yeah i mean we've I, we started with two classics now there are lots more classics i mean otherwise it would just become a list of beers otherwise but those are the two ones that are readily available here you've got kozel as well that's quite nice star of Praman is brewed over here now i think i'm pretty sure that's the case if not, apologies to the Star Problem guys. But um, the Pilsner Quail and Budweiser Budweiser are both brewed genuinely in the, in the Czech Republic. And what's a mate, what you should also try and do when you go to both of those breweries is try the, there's uh, uh, a version of the beer, and it's got a very complicated Czech name for them, which if I pronounced it wouldn't, no one, it would be wrong. But essentially what they do is they get uh, the, the uh, they get a dose of 
fermenting budva or fermenting pilsner coil and we put it into the cask with 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 the rest of the beer and that creates what is essentially like it's called krausening and it's essentially like the nearest that lager can get to cask ale and you can get this version uh uh in the brewery and around the brewery of both of both breweries and that that gives it another just layer of character that is is absolutely wonderful and the nearest that we get to that over here is the tank the the unpasteurized tank fresh beer that they they sometimes do in in pubs where they where they basically take the beer from the from the brewery ensure that it doesn't get exposed to any oxygen uh, uh, at all and it is dispensed into a tank straight from the brewery that tank is then transported over here and that goes straight into the um into the pub and pours fresh out pours fresh in 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 british pubs and that is wonderful as well and i suppose what we're what we're trying to what we're trying to say here is that lager there's lager and then there's lager um and to call it lager is seems a bit would seem very strange to the czechs and the germans because um uh that it just doesn't it's there's much more to it there's different styles in fact there when you go to czech republic it's quite it's quite confusing um, when you get a menu because they have all these different types of, of lager. So you've got, it's basically denoted by strength. You've got lezak, which means literally means lager, but rather unhelpfully, it can be used to describe ale as well. Now this is between uh, 11 and 12 degrees Plato, which is normally between about 4 and 5%, I think. Then you have vyshepni, um, and that has a strength of seven to ten degrees Plato, which is a bit, and that translates as tap beer or draft beer. That's a bit weaker. And then you've got the specials, which are big beers weighing in at about thirteen degrees Plato or above. I'm not going to tell you the difference between Plato and ABV because that really is dull. Um, <laughs> Please don't. No. Um, and then you've got all these substyles, uh, the, like the yeast beer I was telling you about earlier. Um, you've got the unpasteurized one as well, unfiltered, give a, a fresh flavor. And that tank beer I was talking about is called Tankoba. Um, mm. So when you go into a Czech, uh, a Czech beer, beer bar or a brewery, there are lots of different styles you can have. Pretty much all of them are nice. And the, best, the, best, the good thing about Czech Republic is they've got a really good microbrewing scene. They've got about 400 microbreweries that have opened up over the last 10, 20 years or so. Um, but they, but they've also, because of communism, back in um, before the Velvet Revolution, um, all these breweries were, uh, were were still going and still making beer. But because there was no co- sort of uh, commercial investment in there in them, they were not updated. So when it, when finally people could come in and see the breweries from the west they found these breweries that were still using these age old, beautiful brewing techniques, like the open, uh, open uh, fermenters and triple decoction and just using all these old techniques that were making lovely, lovely beers. So they sort of been set an aspect for, for, for all this time. Um, and obviously a lot of breweries have been bought up by Westerners. Uh, and a lot of investors came in, kicked the tires of various breweries. Some of them were sold. Um, so that's been, uh, so that's been maintained and a mm. lot of the people who worked in these breweries have gone on and set up their own breweries. And we went there, we went to the Czech Republic help, back in 2010, something like that, wasn't it? I think it was a bit later than that. Cause I was thinking we went to um, a place called uh, Unitichi oh, Pivovar, yes. 
which is, is, a, is a brewery that was opened in the 16th century. And in 2012, they, uh, they, they say on their website that they had expanded and renovated the brewery. We went there right and slap bang in the middle of that renovation project, but it was open and we were allowed to sit there and drink their beer. And that Unitichi Pivovar beer is, I mean, that was, a, for me, one of those moments where you just say, can lager really be this good? It yes. was absolutely extraordinary. Now they've got, they've, they've got a, a site where you can eat proper traditional Czech cuisine and you can... Uh, you can drink beer directly from the tank again. Um, and so we, we managed to travel out a bit. I mean, we've been a few times. We went over there to set up our own beer brand, yes. Hobo, with the, the uh, company called Cask Marketing, who are uh, Cask Liquid Marketing. They're, they do a lot of work with the booze industry. Really good top-notch boys who work with really good booze brands. And Scott Collins, who runs the excellent meat liquor restaurant. So if anyone likes burgers, meat liquor, the fantastic burgers. So we went out there, we learned a lot about the brewing scene there. And that beer, we wanted the Czechs to brew for us because we knew they were so good at making a, a, a refreshing drinkable beer that has flavour and character. And then we travelled all around and we got to go out there and, and see some of the other, I can't remember some of the names of the other craft breweries. And one of them had a weird train in it that was part of the uh... Uh, yes, that was uh, Kotsor. Yes. K-O-C-O-U-R, which means Tomcat. He was mental, wasn't he? The yes. guy ran that. He bought a train and turned it into a pub. And he was just doing week-long beer trips. Uh, so the train went from his brewery just around for a week. But apparently everyone just drank beer on it. And mm. there beds and a bar, and that was it. He was very excited right. about it. But yeah. they... they they were the kind of first new breed of, of Czech brewers who were doing other, other beer styles and, um, and experimenting with IPAs and ales and stuff. But they make some really good stuff. Uh, there's an, another good one that the, 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 the geeks really like uh, is Matuska. They make some very, very good. They, they do foreign styles, but also some classic old Czech beer styles as well. So they, they, they really know their stuff. Um, we went to the Strahov Monastic Brewery, which if you go to Prague, you must go to. It's a Prague brew pub in a, this prime position near the castle. It's oh, that's what I was going to say. I mean, even if, yeah. you, if you don't want to go out and do the exploring of, of the country, which you should, you should go to Budovica at the very least. But even if you stay in Prague, there's so much going on there in terms of a beer and bar scene. We went to the local beer halls, a place called... Uh, Medvidiku or little the little bears which is a proper proper czech beer hall where you get you banquet tables and yeah it's at the table and, and sausages um and that that monastery that you're talking about there when we sat up you can walk up there sit with a view of the whole of the city drinking incredibly clean tasty beer and that was a moment where i thought yeah. Blimey, is this our job? Yeah, <laughs> we, no, it was. It's amazing. We really, we get to do this for a living. I know. We just sit here in one of the most beautiful spots on the planet drinking beer. Uh, I do remember it, afterwards, you... we were quite drunk and we decided we were going to film our own parkour video. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> oh, that was Which, good. Uh, we must have that somewhere. We should put that on YouTube. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it, Pod Bods. But if you are, because we found a, 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 a hill and it had loads of sort of these uh, little walls everywhere and, and we just ran down it and tried to do parkour, which when you're after drinking mm. quite a few beers is, it's very funny, but mm. 
quite painful. That was also that was also the trip where I said, "Where are those guys going?" Um, but um, that's a story for another day, listeners. Uh, but and, and it's also fair to say that our hobo trip to Prague, um, there there are elements of that trip which best, are best left off the yes. podcast. But Prague is a fantastic. I mean, Ben Ben mentioned there that you can drink the St Norbert beer at the microbrewery at the Strahov Monastery. Do that. Uh, go and see some of the cellar bars. I love a proper cellar. Uh, police if you're listening that is because of <laughs> the bar scene in, in the Czech Republic but uh, Ufleku in Prague one of the yeah. great cellar bars and we went to a craft beer bar called Zlai Chassis um, it, Zlai all Cassie. of this is a, Zlai Cassie I think <laughs> Zlai Cassie all of this is a lot easier for you to digest if you're you're listening if you actually read the words so so if anyone wants to get in touch we can we can give them an email with these places on but that was in the nuzzle neighborhood so a bit out of prague but nuzzle gosh don't we all mm. need a nuzzle right now ben in these lockdown days. we do but, and then um the other the other beer that i must tell people about Podbods, is kutna samavi now this is what many czech beer Cognoscenti, another word that's better written down than coming out of my mouth, regard to be the most impressive and underrated pilsner uh, in the Czech Republic. Um, it's absolutely wonderful gear. You I very, very rarely see it. You see it here sometimes, but very rarely. But what's happening here is the Czech beer, uh, the Czech uh, government rather, have done loads and loads of initiatives to try and promote Czech beer here. And if you live in London, there is a, a sort of club. Uh, it's like a sort of like a sort of working men's club, isn't it? It's a Czech and Slovak centre. It's near it's near Hampstead, near sort of Kilburn, and you can go in there, and it is like being in a, a sort of rather rundown <laughs> but atmospheric kind of Czech beer hall, and they they get they get hold of some really nice beers as well. Um, so I, it's just really worth explore really worth exploring if you can yes i loved it uh go when the lockdown's over make sure you make your way over there uh, and drink check beer i think that about wraps it up for this week doesn't it ben i think so yep that was a a, a whistle stop tour i think we'll go into further depth. we're hoping to go over there in which case we could do a pod from from one of the from one of the breweries there and get a bit more detail and find out more importantly how to pronounce many of these names from locals <laughs> Yeah. Um, but for now we'll wrap this one up uh, thank you for choosing our podcast again folks next week we will be back with a spirit of some sort I think I'm probably going to delve deep into vodka Ben so uh, if, you, if you're a vodka All drinker right. Um, have a listen to that and uh, and learn more about the spirit and why they don't all taste the same but until then uh, if you like the podcast leave nice messages everywhere uh, for us on the social medias and uh, below the podcast where you can tell all your friends uh, spread the word don't spread the virus no uh, please subscribe and uh, and tune in again next week cheers cheers bye 